The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in Bigger Than Ever for Season 9. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today. Welcome to At Home with the Lalas. So we are in full lockdown mode at the moment. Now, if you had told me six months ago that we would be home all day long, only leave once a day to exercise by necessities and we would have to wear gloves and a mask. Honestly, I think I would have told you to stop watching so many sci-fi films. I feel like you'd do well in a sci-fi film, actually. I think you've got the voice for it. But in all seriousness, we are not in a sci-fi film and we are very much in this situation. Our show started from a genuine curiosity on how everyone is dealing with COVID differently. But it kind of built into something a little bit more than lockdown routines and self-care because that's what we thought would be interesting at the beginning. But as we spoke to more people, we learned that we needed to understand some of the social complexities from real experiences. So each week we check in with a public figure and we have an amazing, amazing lineup of guests all from around the world. And we find out what's going on emotionally, work-wise, life-wise. And we basically have a good old chat. Absolutely. No, I think we should introduce ourselves. We are the Lalas. I am Laura Pradelska. And I'm Laura Fraser. And in normal life, we DJ together. We have a radio show. Lara's a producer. I'm an actress and a voiceover artist. However, in COVID life, we now actually live together. And I mean, the only thing I can come up with is we wear matching pajamas all day. Our daytime pajamas are a thing. Don't knock them. Absolutely. So wait, before we start with our international guest that I am so excited about, I did want to actually say that this horrible pandemic has changed the way I think massively and, and also the way I operate. Yes. I, do you know what, Lau? I really love that you brought that up because we actually do speak, speak about this a lot and in normal everyday life, we move so fast. We're in nightlife, we DJ, and it's kind of rare to be at home and still with our thoughts. And although COVID has been so traumatic and detrimental to us and everyone else, 
it's kind of forced me and I think you as well to be still with ourselves, which we don't do so often. No, I find that very hard. And actually, here's a little bit of background for our listeners. Now, at the very beginning of the lockdown, which is now coming into a few months already, unbelievably, Lara moved in with me so she wouldn't be by herself. And also because neither one of us has much family in the UK and we still wanted to work together and be creative together and find a way to get through this because this isn't easy for anyone especially not for anybody suffering from the disease but everybody else is going through their own trauma and their own problems mm. Firstly, thank you so much for letting me come and live with you it's actually a really huge undertaking and I couldn't have gone through this whole COVID period by myself. Well, I could have, but not very well. So I really do empathize with the amount of people that are having to go through the lockdown by themselves. It really is a hard undertaking. So thank you so much for having me in your household. You're so absolutely welcome. And oh if God, you I'm cry. <laughs> no, if you leave your shoes around one more time, then we're going to have to rethink this living together situation. You sound like my mother. She's, thank I, you. I have to rethink being her daughter for the amount of shoes I've left around. No, I, I am so excited because today we are going to chat to the one and only Rose McGowan. Now, I'm so excited to speak to Rose as, first of all, she's a great friend, but also she is one of the most kind, courageous and insightful people I know. And apart from that, she's just come out with the most incredible album called Planet Night. Mm, I mean, it's right what you said. Rose is one of the most kind, courageous people. And a lot of people associate Rose with the woman that took Harvey Weinstein down or the incredible actress that she is from Charmed. But Rose to us is so much more than that. We've known her for a couple of years and I love that Rose speaks her mind no matter what. She does this socially. She does this um, when she advocates for causes and people and she's really a force to be reckoned with. Absolutely. And I also want to say that she has an incredible album out that she's just released. She will talk about it a bit. It's called Planet Nine and we absolutely love it. We've been listening to it a lot, actually. And some proceeds are going to charity, which is even more amazing. But without further ado, here's Rose McGowan. Hi, Rose. How are you? Hi, darling. Ah! Ah! You're so beautiful. We love you. We love you. We the me. We the me loves you. Oh. Babe, um, are you good? I'm really good. Oh my god. <laughs> I Rose, love this woman so much. I want to be next to you right now. No, you want to be next to me. Okay, don't get jelly. I'm not jelly. <laughs> you know when you fight with your best friend like all day. Anyway, we love you and you look amazing. You're clearly not in New York City in your flat. No, I'm in Mexico. My flat, my lease was up. I am in a, a part of Mexico that's between a jungle and a beach. And um, a lot of people said, you're so lucky to be there. And yes, I'm incredibly lucky for a lot of reasons. I have my health. Um, but I was strategic. I was in Norway six weeks ago giving a speech. And 
at that point, only Northern Italy was on lockdown and then it spread to Florence. And I, I just knew it was going to spread. I'd heard, I'd been hearing about it, you know, for like a month or so before. And I just knew it was coming. So I had time to run home to New York, um, where I'd had to live for four months after living in London for like a year and a half, two years, and then grabbed Pearl, my puppy, my emotional therapy dog, and Pharrell. And um, we hightailed it to Mexico. And my rent is like a third of my rent. I just got a quick question for you, right? Rose, as someone who I think people look to for inspiration through your social media, through your Rose Army, through everything really that you have going on, do you find during this COVID epidemic that people have been expecting advice from you? Not really, because my it's it's funny. I have different media, li- or Twitter is very different from my Instagram both at Rose McGowan, everybody. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> uh, and Twitter is where I go really hard. And lately I've been helping out this woman who is, uh, I have to say, alleged rape victim of the man who's running for president against Trump, a man named Joe Biden. And so I've been going really hard on Twitter because the DNC, which is the head of the Democratic Party, has been pulling some really dirty tricks, suppressing her in media and just doing So I've been fighting that. But now my album Planet Nine is coming out and I thought about it and I thought, what can I do for people during this time? Um, I don't need to be sitting in front of a pool spouting off nonsense to people. It's not a good look. You know what I mean? And and I wouldn't do that. Um, What I can do is put out my album, which is for healing. And I was going to release it like a few months from now. And then I was thinking like, literally, I just sent the press release about it two days ago, three days ago. I was like, you know what, we're all in quarantine. It's an album that it's best, you know, we can't travel externally right now, but we can travel internally. What really intrigued us was that Planet Nine was actually developed when you were very young. Okay, yeah, I was 10 and I got sent from a hippie commune that I grew up in in Italy, in Tuscany, which so it was incredibly beautiful. I I mean, I grew up in a a well-known, they call it a cult, but I guess we called it a a commune. And, um, but it was just radically different. I wasn't even integrated with Italian society. We were, I was very much within our, you know, it was just within the group. I grew up with a duke uh, in his house. So I grew up in a ducal estate. It was a beautiful palazzo with, you know, olive groves. And then overnight I got sent to America and I got sent to Washington state and a, and a school on a military base. And I was like, Oh no, Oh no. And I looked weird to them. I looked, like a weird Italian kid, I guess, or hippie kid, or I just didn't look like them. I didn't talk like them. I spoke Italian. And I was like, I'm in hell. This this food, the food made me cry. And that's when I invented my own planet. I thought, this is terrible. I do not like this planet I'm on, this new frequency. There's loud noises. I'd never seen fluorescent lights. I'd never seen big cars I'd never seen like oh my god so uh, just to reiterate it was children of god right yeah and you know it had a lot of beautiful attributes it had um it was highly educational for the kids Uh, they taught Montessori style like the original founder of Montessori was the type of schooling I learned how to read proper big books at two and a half and I spoke four languages and I, my brain was on fire. But then when I went to America, it was just, just see Dick and Jane run. That's what you're allowed to. I was like, what? Yeah. I was, no, I will not, this will not stand. So on my planet, 
I would sit in school and this orb would come out of the ceiling and lower down and encircle me. And it's where I felt safest. So anytime, even now when I get scared, I like envision orbs and circles around me, right? Protecting me. I've always had a thing for circles and orbs and certainly my own planet. And then six years ago, astronomers, when they remember when they made Pluto, they're like, Pluto's not a planet. We were speaking, we were just about, speaking this. about it. Yeah. And, and, it was planet nine, which is so they weird. They found planet nine. I literally, I like, sometimes I, t I get chills. I'm like, what? Like, I need to make an album for my planet. Um, so that's what I did. I love that. And I love the healing elements that you've um, spoken about within your album, within the visuals of it. And I think it's something that everyone kind of needs right now. Just going back on what you were saying before, and I think it's really interesting because it ties into the tweet that you have pinned at the top of your Twitter. And the tweet was, America is the scariest cult I've ever been in. How do you draw the comparison between the cult you grew up in and America, which so many people live in right now? Many people, many cult members, in fact. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of people that study cults and they do movies about cults or they write about them, but they're all studying it from the outside inherently. Some can infiltrate, but not going in with the mindset of being a utopian or trying to change the world in your own weird way uh, or what's considered weird. I mean, I know everyone freaks out about Scientology, but if you think about it, you know, Jonah in Christianity, right? Like we had a dude in a whale's stomach for three days. They had a conversation. Jonah got barfed out. And hey, they talked about Jesus. So it's our God. It's, it's all good. What the fuck? So why are we freaking out about Scientology? You know, like the like Catholics take a dollar for a two for tithe and look at all the golden marble they have. What the fuck? That's a cult. It's all there are many levels of cult, right? Mm -hmm. And yes, did they advocate child adult sex in the cult I was in, which is why we escaped? Yes. Uh, did it seem that the Roman Catholic Church did the same thing? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I really like one of the interviews you gave, and I'm going to quote you on it, actually. And you said, from the outside, it would be considered strange. But if you grow up in it, it is normal. And that's kind of what you were just saying. Anything can be considered normal, depending on your perspective. So I wanted to tie it into COVID because we're all experiencing a new normal. Everyone's kind of having to reexamine how they live. And I wanted to find out whether you think this is going to have a lasting effect of people's normalized right and wrong. Yes. And I think that's, oh, Pearl, it's okay, honey. Um, that's my dog barking. Oh, oh, you're okay. She said, that was a really good question, Lara. Um, you know, it, it, it's impossible not to. We have a choice right now. What do we want to be when we come out of this? Who do we want to be? We are literally, for the first time, it's like a girl's coming out party. It's like the world's coming out party. We get to choose who we want to be. We get to be better if we want to. And one of the things I always say in my book, Brave, that I wrote, it's about being, it's an arbitrary number I came up with. Honestly, I was smoking weed one night in California, not unusual for me. And, uh, and uh, I was like, I wonder if I can be, a, you know, because growing up when I was a runaway at 13, I was homeless. And I had no, from that time on, I was pretty much totally on my own. And I raised myself and I was like, and I think that's why I'm fundamentally, well, one, growing up in a very different way with different ethics and different 
focuses and different priorities. I didn't grow up in a capitalistic society. I didn't grow up where the external was valued. I didn't grow up where uh, I was told I was a boy or a girl. I, I was, we were raised, the children were raised to be super minds. The adults were all fucked up and doing fucked up shit, but the kids were raised to be hyper-conscious and of different things, not about eat, not ego-driven, you know? And I thought, so when I was 13, I was like, what can I do? How do I get to be the best version of me? I don't have any role models. I don't have anything, right? So I thought, well, I'll just, what if I was 10% better than I always had to be? <laughs> Interesting, though, that you say, and this is what we don't do a lot, is um, question what feels natural, right? And you said that you weren't imposed with a lot of the things that we consider as normalized just ways of being. You have never conformed in a way that a lot of us just accept. And I really admire that. And I think that it's what a lot of us can take on, honestly. Because I'm literally living proof that you can fuck with a system, that you can tear systems down, that you can cut off the head of power, that you don't have to bite at the ankles, that you can have a free mind, that even if you have to do a fucking shitty job that's really hard and low paying, you can, you can, there's a lot of other ways and you can be an artist in your own life. Mm. And it doesn't equate with painting, you know, and that's how I think people can be 10% better, an arbitrary number I came up with. But I was stoned in California one night and I was like, yeah, I think we can all be 10% better. And I think coming out of this, what if like, you know, in any clutch moment where we have to make a decision where our morals are tested, you know, or what are my ethics in this situation? Will I take money for this in exchange for silence? Will I, um, will I, Will I do this job and just suck it up even though I know bad people are profiting? Mm. And um, it's easy to silence that in your mind. I've heard you talk about the power of words, but I wanted to tie it into something else. With the power of words, we can create situations in media and we've seen this across you know, a lot of your work. Tying it into COVID right now, do you feel like media is sending agendered messages and kind of using fake news to get people to behave in certain ways right now? Well, I mean, Trump is, mm. obviously. He's telling people to liberate the liberate their states. <laughs> you know, you're like, oh, for corn's sake. That's what you mean. Um, I, I, I'm sorry, I don't get it. I'm, I'm only watching the news. I don't He's a, he's a cult leader. That's yeah. what it is. He's he's my perfect example of a cult leader. He says trigger words and it's like a dog whistle and the people are like, ah, you know, he says lock her up. He says immigrants. He says, you know, uh, bad hombres. He says whatever the fuck he says every goddamn day. Um, I find him to be the most honest liar in the world. It's very strange. I love that. Oh, I love that. What does honest liar mean? Like he's so upfront with that he's a fucking liar. The only way to find out if it's real is getting really sick. My friend was in the hospital with it, so I can, I can bear He just got out. And my friend Joel just got out of Cedar sinai in L.A. And he thought he was, you know, he, was, he didn't get intubated, thank God. Um, but I did just read a wonderful study out of Paris that said people there that smoke seem to have a freakish resistance to getting right. COVID. 
I, I think and, we just yeah. all know so little. Yeah. But I do have a question for you. How do you feel considering the healthcare system in America? How do you feel about Harvey being <laughs> able to access a test, number one, in jail? If he be- really did. If he really did. <laughs> yeah. See, there's so much corruption behind the scenes, and he's constantly asking to go into the hospital part of it because he doesn't want to be in the prison part of it because he's a big fucking pussy. <laughs> <laughs> Right. I mean, Rose, I've got to ask you a question. Now that he's finally behind yes. bars, is there is there something inside of you? Because I've known you for a while. Is there something inside of you that goes and chill? Oh yes, um, to an extent. I still have a big lawsuit going. It's called the racketeering lawsuit, and that's what brought down the mafia in America. And that's a three to five year lawsuit, and it's against some of the most powerful people, including an intelligence agency out of Israel. Like you know, it's gnarly yeah. stuff. It's really yeah. intense stuff. Um, but overall, I'm not being hounded to death right now, and even. Mm-hmm. COVID is terrible and heartbreaking for so many goddamn people. Mm-hmm. But I have always felt safest in anonymous places that where people don't know where I am. Yeah. So right now I feel quite safe because other people can't get to me mm-hmm. for the first time in a long time. I do, I do want to tell a really beautiful story because you and I are friends and um, that's not a secret. And you wore an incredible dress to an award ceremony in London. Uh, the Q Awards. And, yeah, do you remember? And we went to Selfridges because it was, you kind of wanted to reenact in a way the MTV Awards. Do you remember? Yeah, that iconic naked dress, the beaded yeah. dress that I wore, the beaded dress, quote unquote, that I wore. Um, and I did. And I was like, it was the gentler side. And it was this beautiful white knit that had this these kind of architectural, small kind of cloud wing things on the shoulder. And down the back of it, all the way to the floor, from the middle of my back to my ankles, was like cutout pieces so if I'd worn no underwear it would have definitely been a reenactment but I'm older and I gave people mercy put on underpants this time yeah we went to Selfridges to look for underwear and there was a saleswoman who was so intrigued by you and so starstruck and she was like I cannot believe is this Rose McGowan I'm like yes it's Rose McGowan and this is her dress and it was really no because many people remember when you and Marilyn Manson many many years ago back in the 90s went to the MTV Awards and you wore the dress and people didn't get it people thought it was sexy oh yeah they thought it, and they still when when women copy it today when girls copy it they've always done it to be sexy and I'm like you missed my point was like it was more like there's a movie called Gladiator that came out like 20 years ago or something, right? It's a famous one. And Russell Crowe, he's in an arena mm-hmm. and he's yelling at the Romans who are there just to see blood. And he throws his arms out and he says, are you not entertained? I love, <laughs> I love that. that. I yes. love that. And yes. that was how I did it. When I went to the MTV Awards, I was like, is this what you want, motherfuckers? Because I know it is. You want, the, you want the behind shot with my head over my shoulder? Why is it? It's the bonus. So you get my face and my ass and you get more money for that shot. Is that what you want, motherfucker? Okay. Okay, let's play. I love that. How did the white dress come come up? The it white was just, well, I was in um, Amsterdam, actually, and uh, sometimes I smoke weed, and in Amsterdam, I thought, uh, everyone's like, watch out, and I'm like, nah. 
I can handle this. I'm from California. Oh my God. Oh my God. And I have an unfortunate habit sometimes of either online shopping or physical shopping after smoking a joint. Oh, um, yourself with that. No one else in the world. <laughs> sure. No, but I do. Like, I ate an edible in New Orleans, and I ordered a hundred thousand dollars, hundred and sixty thousand dollars off a wedding, uh, fucking website. Getting married. I ordered five wedding dresses. Woke up the next morning, and my laptop was open, and I was like, Oh my god! I like literally my whole bot, and it's an American Express, so they'll pay any bill. No. <laughs> Could you return it? I, it never got sent. I called them like uh, I was like having a panic attack and I had to just confess. I said, I'm really sorry. I ate this pot brownie. <laughs> I don't know how else to tell you this. Uh, and they were like so devastated because they'd obviously made a huge sale. Or mm. I thought they did. They were like, yes, yeah, some weirdos can't decide which wedding dress she wants. Like, and <laughs> I, I, and all this stuff, it was hideous, you guys. Rose, we've got to ask you something, because Lara and I talk a lot about being gaslit. Sorry, I'm going to make it serious right now. You've both been gaslit a lot. We Mm -hmm. know that you've talked about it. Um, We know you have had your own experiences. Please, can you tell us how to deal with it? Well, first of all, everybody in the world is gaslit. The system is gaslighting you. The 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 six media companies that run all the news are gaslighting you. Um, Fake news is omission as well. And what they choose to omit is a lot, right? But then you also have, so the best way I can describe it, uh, gaslighting, and the term originally came from a movie from uh, the late 30s called Gaslight. And the woman in the movie, um, her mother dies. And so she goes abroad and she meets a piano teacher in Italy and he comes back to uh, England with her. But he's really... when her mom died, he knew that the husband, the piano teacher, and the maid are in on making poor Ingrid Bergman, the leading lady, uh, crazy and doubt her sanity because they're trying to find these hidden jewels in the walls and they're going to kill her for it if they have to. But it's like stuff like she's like comes out and he's like, you said you were going to bring me dinner. She's like, I just came out of my bedroom. No, you don't remember. You said you were going to bring me dinner. Mm. no and then she comes in and the lights he's like why did you turn the lights on she's like I didn't turn the lights on yes you did how are they on it just constant and the maid is in on it so it's like a conspiracy it's a great fucking film Ingrid Bergman phenomenal actress oh my god do a favor and find the movie if you are being gas lighted gaslit what do you do it's really hard. Um, I wrote like a manual for help with people being to un to ungaslight them, if you will, to unwire them. Um, the only thing I can offer, uh, I wrote my book Brave as a public service. I'm not. I've never actually been, um, believe it or not, very public with. Uh, I found people that aired their dirty laundry a little embarrassing, you know, all that stuff. Um, but this was necessary and the book the spine of the book is comparing the cult I grew up in to other cults the cult of Hollywood the cult of America the cult of media the cult of politics the cult of you know and and then you can be in a cult in a relationship and if you're in a gaslighting relationship you're in a cult too and you're worshiping a system that's not supporting you that's it that's a cult Mm. and they steal from you they steal from your life And then you look at them like a year when you finally get free and you see them like a year later and you're going, oh, my God, you controlled my brain. Oh, my God. 
I gave myself up and I did it. I, I write about that in, in my book. I write about a relationship that I was in with a huge power imbalance and just fucking constant mental torture. And, and you start losing who you are mm-hmm. bit by bit. And the more I would kick my friends under the table to be like, no, don't say that. He'll yell at me later. Mm-hmm. Uh, the more I would lose myself. Can I say something? I've known you for a little while. We've been friends. You seem at the best place in your life. Yeah. What is it that just changed all of a sudden that makes you so happy? Is it the doggy? Is it you? So Harvey great. Weinstein is in jail. Yeah! yeah! I hear you. I hear you. I'm not, hunt- I'm not hunted on the daily. I'm not dealing with... You know, I'm still dealing with dickheads, but not that level was so like you couldn't even explain it to people. I mean, I had the Mossad, an ex-Mossad spy hired to befriend me, to secretly record me because there was a million dollar payoff if someone could get my book before it was published for him. And she succeeded in stealing 125 pages. Wow. So my rapist was in my thoughts, in my head, in my life before anybody else was, before I was ready to release it. Right. Mm -hmm. It's disgusting. And they have me on tape. She has me on tape saying, uh, you're the only person I can trust. I said that to her. Wow. 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 So I'm free of shitheads. And, and, and I wrote my way out of the cult of Hollywood. I'm happy and I'm free. And I wish that for everybody. And even in quarantine, you know, like Planet Nine, I still play it when I need soothing, when I need time to feel and move my body or just lay there with my eyes shut, you know, and, and like I said, we can't travel outside right now, but we can really use this time to travel inside and really see who we want to be when we get out of this. Rose, tell us something about Planet Nine that we're giving a big percentage to COVID COVID charity. charity. 20%. So people can pre-order it or order it on bandcamp.com. That would be amazing. Because that's for 20% of the profits. And, you know, I'm honestly, I'm donating it to um, domestic violence centers. But if you I say see. that, only women's charities only get 1% of funding worldwide. Wow. So if you say it's a women's charity, nobody's going to take the bite. If you say COVID-19, they can trust me. I work with boots on the ground people. They're doing, I just gave $1,000. That's all I could afford to give right now. Mm-hmm. Um, because I've been giving to random people that, really need help that I know I just gave a thousand dollars four women and their two kids each are now in an apartment with that thousand dollars for at least a month mm. you so know even if you can give ten dollars twenty percent of that this adds up and it makes a huge difference you've got a beautiful soul and what I like about you is you're always very tangible in what you do and I don't think that you're ever the type of person to make these grand statements or anything everything that you've ever relayed whether it's charity wise or whether it's giving emotionally has always been grounded and has been right now and I feel like that's what you're doing through whatever charities that you can through your music through everything. The music is also helping people that is also my charity I mean I'm not going to make back the fifty thousand dollars I spent to make it no, but you're you're giving healing. But that's fine. I yeah. but what I wanted to do was make something that I knew would heal me, and that I could use practically to heal myself because therapy doesn't work for me specifically. Uh, just talking, it's just not how my brain works. Um, but then 
Uh, and it helps a lot of people, which is great. Um, but the other thing is my book, Brave. You know, I write about Planet Nine because I did them at the same time. I wrote and recorded the bulk of the album at the same time I did the book. Um, I know you and I have been through some similar things. And I do want to know, after everything that happened at Sundance, is that when you started writing? No. In fact, my mother is a tremendous writer. She's like her. She's a literature freak. And she's the one who taught me to read it, too, and, and to really examine things. And if I read an autobiography, say, on the cultural figure, I'll read three other books about them to cross-reference. I'm just kind of nerdy that way. Um, but I believe words save. And I think we need to be really careful with the words we use and that we can rearrange things like we call it domestic violence. We also call it a domestic cat, a domestic dog. It's yeah. like pat on the head no let's call it what it is it's actual like in it, it's terrorism it's it's gaslighting it's abuse it's savage it kills it's femicide this is what this is right yeah. let's call it what it is and I, I believe in calling it what it is but I also believe in putting words together beautifully and I think I started writing earlier than that I knew I was always good at it but I'll tell you what I never I'd written one article a joke Q&A article for a literature magazine, a literary magazine, and never, I had no idea how to write a book. I was like, oh, fuck. I talked my way in. I was like, yeah, 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 I'm doing this. And I'm like, oh, shit, I got to do this. What a nightmare. Oh, no. And I have zero study habits. I left school at 13 after being homeschooled from two. Mm -hmm. and I was done. And I... I'm a prolific reader. I absorb many things and I have great interest, but I don't know how the fuck to do this, how to sit down. I'm not used to sitting. I'm used to standing on sets, right? Yeah. Like I did it, but uh, I took the approach. My father was an incredible painter, an incredible artist. And he, I, so I was like, I'll just paint with words. That's what I'll do. And that's how I approached my album, just painting. Mm. And it's interesting what you said. And I think I really believe in the power of linguistics and we shape our understanding of the world through the words that we use because they categorize and I call it um, cyclic cycles. And it's kind of what you're saying before, the words that are chosen to describe say, the alleged rape or domestic violence. Well, oh, oh, right now the newspapers love saying fallen producer, Harvey Weinstein. I'm like, why don't you try convicted rapist, motherfucker? Can you give some advice to a beautiful young listeners? And we're going to obviously let them know that your album, Planet Nine, is a little bit of escapism. But is there something else that they can do to just relax and calm down and just be in the moment and understand that they this isn't forever. This isn't forever. Is there any advice? You're going to be okay. It's really fucking hard, but you're going to be okay. And this will pass. This too shall pass. And yeah. Frank lived in a cupboard. We can do this. And we are going to freak out. And you are going to cry. And you are going to miss your friends and, and your loved ones. And you are going to hurt. And you are going to be scared. And you are going to maybe wonder how you're going to feed yourself. And you are gonna, there's a lot of shit going down. Mm. right yeah so I, only thing I can suggest is use this time wisely maybe some of the things I do when I'm really scared is I make a list and I make a list of my fears and I make a list and then because a lot of times fear is like a hamster wheel in your head right like a guinea pig goes around in a circle and the fear the fear the fear but we don't go to the end result so what would and, and that's how I live my life I'm like okay if I go public with this or if I do this or if I do that What's the worst case scenario? Will I survive? 
Will I survive? And the answer is, will if I get out of this relationship that's abusive, uh, if I can survive this abusive relationship, will I survive away from him or her? Yes, you will. And then you write down what the end result would be and could you survive it? Because usually that death spiral in our minds goes into, it's trying to keep us alive. So it's fear, which is based on trying to stay alive, but it's in overdrive, right? So it's one of those things, if you write it out, it's kind of, and it's helpful to have a journal and just word vomit on it. And like today, you don't have to be like, today I sat in the room and texted people. You can be like, motherfucker, I fucking hate this, you stupid fuck. Sorry, you know what I mean? <laughs> and it's like, fuck, fuck, fuck you, COVID. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Whatever you want to do, right? That's your little journal. You don't have to be pretty. People don't have to be precious about this stuff. Fucking rail it out. Cry it out. I'm lonely. I'm really fucking lonely. And you can be better. And when you get through this, you will have been through something really hard in your life. Peace. Woo! Rose has spoken. She has spoken. We love you so much. Love you. Love you guys. I'm really proud. We really appreciate it. And we love you to death. Love Love you. you. Why? You have a home in London. You know that, right? Well, I'm coming after this is all over, darling. You better. Wow, she sounded so happy and so content, healthy, beautiful. That was an amazing interview. Do you know what? I loved that we could see her. Um, You can't see it on the podcast, obviously, but we will show snippets of how beautiful Rose looked on our socials because we did have the video on during Skype. And I do have to say we are on the floor in Lara's closet um, because this is where the acoustics are best in her house. And you have to do what you have to do to make things work. But it really was like having a good old chat. I completely agree. And yes, guys, we are in the closet. We are locked in the tiny closet with lots of blankets around us because it does give the best acoustics. And I do want to say a huge, massive thank you to Rose. It was just the kindest thing to come on the show and speak and and just let us into her life. And what I love about Rose is anytime you speak to her, there is no bullshit there. She will always, always say her opinion. She'll always stand up for what she thinks is right. And she will always stand up for the people that she feels need standing up for. And I have all the respect in the world for that. Absolutely. And we did talk about Planet Nine, which is her new album, and some proceeds are going to charity, which I'm going to talk about in a minute as well. But what I just love is that she gave us some tips on how to listen yeah, to she the did. album. She said to listen to it, we should lie down and just let the music kind of take a hold of you. So we will definitely be doing that. But what you were saying on charity leads me into what we will be doing each week, which is shining a light on a charity that is doing great things during this time, both directly related to the pandemic and other charities that are managing to continue to support their causes during this time. Absolutely. Laura and I love working with grassroots charities and we support them a lot. We actually love DJing for them Mm -hmm. and just being around them. And this week we are going with Choose Love, Help Refugees. It is a wonderful charity that works with people fleeing war persecution. At the moment, they're helping them out with dealing with this horrific COVID-19. Exactly. Um, I want to say a huge, huge thank you to everyone that is listening today. This is our first podcast and we've absolutely loved
loved recording it. We hope you've loved listening to it. And we can't wait to take you through our journey over the next eight episodes. Absolutely. Also, a huge thank you to you, Laura, for being able to set this all up by yourself. Oh, gosh. Because you really are a technology master. All right. The tech geek over here. The tech is over here. Guys, we will see you next week on At Home with the Lalas. Until then, please keep safe. Make sure you're fine. And keep yourself at home.